Oh, welcome, everybody, to all of our campuses, many throughout the Twin Cities today. I'm so glad you made it to church. It says a lot about your priorities and where your heart is, seeking after God, so way to go. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online today around the country and world. We consider you to be a part of our congregation, so welcome to you as well, wherever you might be. And as you saw on the, on the video there, uh, the book is coming out uh, after three or four years of just blood, sweat, and tears. I poured my life into this book. Um, really excited for, for those of you who get a copy and, and read its pages. It comes out of this deep place in my own life, this, this lifelong struggle I've had with trying to overcome the sinful patterns in my life and finally gaining some uh, ground on that, some victory, and, and just sharing that with you. And hopefully God will use it to, to speak into your life as he has mine. In fact, we're, we're going to do a, a launch uh, event, I guess. The team is doing that on my behalf. And it's going to be Thursday, August 1st at 6.30 p.m. at the University of Wisconsin, Northwestern, uh, right here in St. Paul. And it is a ticketed event, so you can buy tickets at eaglebrookchurch.com slash donewiththatbook. And again, uh, really excited about what's happening with this. Again, it's been a long journey for me, and I consider it an honor and a pleasure to be able to share it with all of you. So with that said, we are in a series called A Little Bit of Wisdom because I believe a little bit of wisdom can actually save your life. It can save your relationships. Wisdom can. It can save your career, your money, and your health. Doesn't mean you won't have problems. Everybody has problems. But people who gain wisdom benefit themselves in every way possible. Look what the Bible says about this. Proverbs 3 says, wisdom is more valuable than gold. Just let that sink in a second. Wisdom is more valuable than gold. Long life is in her right hand, wisdom's right hand. And in her left hand are riches and honor. All her ways are pleasant all her paths are peace. So in this series, we're highlighting four pieces of wisdom that I think offer the best shot at a long life filled with riches, not just material riches, but relational riches, opportunities that come along in life, honor and peace, the best shot at these things. And so two weeks ago, I talked about that we need to choose great paths, and that every single one of us are on a path or path paths that leads to a predictable destination. You can tell where you're heading based on the path you're on. Then last week, Jason spoke a fantastic message called Direct Your Desires. All of us have desires. Nothing wrong with desires, but if you don't direct them properly, your desires can cause you to make bad decisions in life. And today's piece of wisdom is to guard your heart because your heart is the command center of your life. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but everything you do, all of your decisions about entertainment, family, and worship flows out of your heart. So the question is, how's your heart? What, what is your heart filled with these days? Some people have a heart with, that's filled with anxiety. And so anxiety is what controls pretty much everything they do. Some people have a heart filled with greed, and so acquiring more and more things is kind of what controls and drives their life. Others have a heart filled with generosity, so these people just love to give, and that's their passion in life. Other people have a heart that's filled with joy, and so they love to encourage people and bring joy to others. I hope you have people in your life 
who are encouragers. We all need that. So what's in your heart? Because whatever's in your heart will drive your life. Uh, several years ago, I took my canoe to a nearby lake to fish some crappies uh, toward evening for a couple hours. I had three or four crappies in my bucket when my, my bobber disappeared again, and I set the hook on another pretty good fish. He bent my lightweight rod. He darted back and forth. He was about five feet from my canoe when out of the deep, this three-foot-long muskie swirled and grabbed my crappie hole. Now, a muskie, for those who don't know, is like a freshwater shark uh, just the teeth, razor-sharp teeth, and suddenly things got very exciting with me and my canoe, and this fish was so strong it started to actually pull my canoe in various directions, whichever way it wanted. I mean, the battle was on, and I immediately thought of what I had to do to land this 20-pound fish on my six-pound test line, and every time I got close to the canoe, this fish got close to the canoe, I could see the tail of my crappie sticking sideways out of his mouth, and I thought, if this fish hangs on long enough, he might tire, and I'll be able to grab him by the tail and, you know, under the belly and land this muskie in my canoe. And just when I had those thoughts, he spit it out, and he swam away. So I reeled in my dead crappie and he just hung there limp on the end of my line, all punctured and shredded. So I tossed him in my bucket. And this is the thought I had. Man, that's a really bad day for a crappie. <laughs> and then I thought this. I thought, for five years, this crappie has had a great life. Swimming around in an aquatic paradise, he had an unlimited supply of minnows and snails to feed on. Never had to go to work. Just swim around, have a good time with his friends, reproduce. You know, that's fun. Pretty good life. Right? Pretty good life. But then one evening, something swims past him that grabs his attention. It was a jig and a skirt. That's what my lure was, a jig and a skirt. Pretty hard to resist. A jig and a skirt. And he decides he's going to go after it, even though he's been warned by family and friends to guard his heart for things that look good, but aren't good. But he ignores their warning. And what he doesn't know is that on the other end of that line is a pastor person who doesn't always practice catch and release. He likes to keep a few fish for dinner. And I'm telling you, after five years of freedom, this crappie's life comes down to one bad decision where he goes for the skirt. He falls for temptation, gets hooked in the mouth, eaten by a muskie, and then dumped in a bucket. But sadly, crappies aren't the only ones who follow their heart. You hear that phrase a lot, just gonna follow my heart, and mess up their lives. Gang, I've met people who've been married five years. Some 10 years, 20 years, they have a great life, a great life. But then they see a jig and a skirt. And they decide that no matter how good they have it, it isn't good enough. So they let their heart wander. And they go after something that will cost them dearly. It'll cost them their marriage, 
their kids, their friends, career, even their faith, or people who grew up going to church but their heart got filled, you know, just got filled with sporting events and travel and the busyness of life. They feel like something is missing but they don't know what it is so they just keep chasing and chasing and chasing. And it's not that they're not intelligent. I mean, all of us know of really intelligent, accomplished people who end up losing a career or they lose their marriage or house or family or freedom because of a misguided heart. It's not that they're not intelligent, but it's because intelligence is different than wisdom. You can be incredibly intelligent and still lose things that you love. Lose it life because of an unwise heart. So the third piece of wisdom that'll give us the best shot at a great life is found in Proverbs chapter four. This is a fantastic verse. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In one sentence, Solomon the writer delivers three penetrating thoughts that are so good. He says, look, above everything else, Put this at the top of your life. Make it your number one priority above golf, work, relationships, everything else. Above everything in your life, above all else, what? Guard your heart. It means protect your heart. Put a wall around it. Don't let destructive images and voices seep into your heart. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. It means it's the center of your life. It's the core of who you are. The well from which everything in your life will flow. So again, how's your heart? Is it your number one priority to guard your heart so that everything that you do will just flourish like a spring that never stops flowing. Solomon mentions the word heart over 75 times in Proverbs, and he says, whatever your heart is filled with will determine the outcomes of your life. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit today about guarding your heart, because honestly, I think many people give no thought to this. Don't even think about guarding their heart, what's flowing into their mind and their heart, uh, and I want to tee it up with a story I've used before, but it, it, it makes the point well. Uh, several years ago, my two adult kids and their spouses, their future spouses, were together in our home. We had a dinner together, and then we decided, well, let's, let's rent a movie. And the last movie my wife had been to was the Titanic. And we haven't been to a movie since. We, we just don't go to movie theaters. We watch them on TV if they come for a bit. And so they brought home an R-rated movie for violence and language, a movie about a string of 1960s bank, bank robberies that took place in Boston. And I gotta tell you, I was unprepared for just the raw, you know, R-rated movie in our home. Again, R for violence and language, and the opening, opening scene had more violence and language than I've ever seen or heard in my entire life. Um, I was sitting on the couch next to my wife while we watched an innocent citizen, opening scene, get his head bashed in by the butt of an assault rifle while he lay on the floor of a bank lobby. And then uh, I, I watched him get shot in the back 
twice as the camera zoomed in for a close-up of his blood that was pooling around his quivering body. I had to look away. I couldn't, I couldn't take the visual of that. And the whole scene was laced with so many F-bombs, GDs, and F and Bs that at times that was the whole sentence. There weren't any other words except those in the whole sentence. Now, you got to know both my kids and their spouses are, they love God with all their heart. They love the Bible and truth, and they're, they're wonderful Christian people. And I didn't, I didn't want to embarrass them, but I wondered if they were as bother, bothered by this as I was. And so I didn't say anything, and I was hoping it would get better. Well, it got worse, and I couldn't believe it if that was possible. And the longer I watched, the more I felt my spirit begin to sag. And I knew that if I sat there any longer, it would begin to damage my heart. So I just got up, and without making a big scene, I simply said, look, I, I, I can't watch this anymore. And I went upstairs. Again, didn't want to embarrass my kids, but I had to guard my heart, and I, and I knew it. A few minutes later, my wife joined me upstairs. She said she couldn't take it either. Now, just a quick time out. As a parent of adult kids, you might be wondering why I didn't say something to them. You know, why I didn't, you know, forbid them to watch that thing. Well, this is what I knew about my kids, and you just got to be discerning about this. I knew that just by virtue of getting up and saying, look, I can't watch this, I knew they would evaluate that and use that experience uh, to apply to their own lives. In fact, the next morning I was downstairs memorizing my, my weekend message for church, and sure enough, about 9 o'clock, my son came downstairs, sat down right next to me. He said, Dad, I want you to know how sorry I am for the movie last night. He said, I know it offended you, and I felt really badly about it. And I thanked him, but then I, I sensed God's spirit nudging me. And dads, if you're a dad here today, there will be times when God's spirit nudges you to just go a little bit further and say something. And so I said, Dave, I got to tell you, I, I'm shocked for what passes as entertainment today. He said, oh, dad. He said, you have no idea. Our generation doesn't even flinch at this stuff. I said, what concerns me is what those images can do to your heart. How they can seep in and start to deaden God's voice in your life or cause something inside you to shift a little where you start to compromise your values and compromise your faith. I said, I know for me, Dave, I gotta really be careful what I expose my heart to. We talked a little more. He apologized again. I told him how much I loved him and that was the end of it. But when David said, our generation doesn't even think about this stuff, that bothered me because of what those images and words can do to a person's heart. Again, I'm not saying you should never go to a movie or listen to secular music. I saw Titanic. <laughs> I listened to Eric Church every week, okay? But wouldn't you all agree? I mean, wouldn't you agree? that somewhere there's a line. It's just common sense. That somewhere there's a line where certain things, certain images, certain voices begin to damage your heart and affect your life. 
And I know some of you probably are sitting here saying, Bob, I can handle it. I'm tough. Profanity, sex, violence in movies doesn't bother me in the least. It's no big deal. Here's my question. How many F-bombs and GDs can your heart absorb before it begins to turn your heart in a different way? How many steamy sex scenes can you soak in before something shifts inside you and you start fantasizing about a colleague at work even though you're married? How many times can your 12 or 14-year-old daughter watch The Bachelorette, go to bed with six different men, and end up so scarred and so wounded because she thought that's how you find true love. Where's the line? Do we really know where the line is? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It means you can't trust your heart. Gang, it's why really smart people sometimes do really stupid things. And when that happens, here's what people often will say. They'll say to me, Bob, I don't know how it happened. And that's true. They actually don't know how this happened, this disaster, this choice that they made. They don't know how it happened because their heart deceived them into chasing, falling, doing something they thought they would never do. Solomon says, look, I'm telling you above all else, guard this thing inside you, guard your spirit, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of your life. Honestly, I think the reason some people are suddenly sad for no reason at all, they don't understand why they're suddenly sad or depressed or afraid or do something they thought they'd never do is because their heart is so jaded and has been so wounded by graphic sights and sounds that the whispers of God's love can't even get through. The whispers of God's truth just can't even penetrate. What are some signs that maybe you have an unguarded guarded heart? What are some signs that you, you would look for? Well, there's just, there's this slow drift away from God. You just don't sense God in your life. An uptick in anxiety because there's all this junk, all these messages in your life that are just, you know, steering you off. There's a general feeling of apathy. Nothing really matters. Depression. Sometimes you're easily angered if you got an unguarded heart. Or there's an escaping, a tendency to escape to pornography, gambling, or drinking. Again, you might think you have an anxiety problem, but really it's a heart problem where it's just junked up. And I understand, you know, sometimes there's a chemical imbalance and there's medication that can help. You know, you might think you have an anger problem, pornography or apathy problem. Those are, all, those are all heart problems. Those are external signs of something that's wrong inside. So the problem is we live in a culture that's targeting our hearts 24-7. You know, studies show that the average person is exposed to 3,000 marketing messages to a day. 3,000 marketing messages a day seems high. But some people have the TV on all day long, just drowning out anything that might be good or uplifting. By the way, this, this is not a phone. This is an entertainment device. 
In fact, last night, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this. I was getting ready. I was in the green room getting ready to speak. And I just, I just wanted to check the U.S. Open leaderboard, which is going on right now. If you're a golfer, you understand that. So I got on safari and, and, you know, here it came. And the first images I saw were women golfers, LPGA golfers, in their swimsuits. And I thought, I'm just looking for the leaderboard. And I got to get ready to church, go to church. And now here, there's these images of these, you know, women in their swims. I couldn't believe it. This is an entertainment device that just pulls our hearts every which way. A few years ago, again, embarrassed to admit this too. A few years ago, I watched 10 hours of the British Open from Thursday through Sunday, 10 hours of golf. By the way, nothing wrong with watch, watching golf. Just so you know, everything's right with watching golf. So go ahead. <laughs> But, but during those 10 hours of watching golf, I saw 140 car commercials, 120 golf gear commercials. Interestingly, I wanted new clubs after the British Open. <laughs> and 100 commercials telling me how I can be less bald and better looking. And of course, that was very useful for me, as you can all see, right? But during that time, I didn't read anything, didn't learn anything, didn't exercise or converse with my wife really, and by Sunday afternoon, honestly, I was depressed. And what I've learned is that everything matters. Everything you watch, everything counts. Everything I read, listen to affects my heart and either makes me a little more generous, joyful, and kind or a little less so. And so... The question is this, how do I guard my heart in a culture that just bombards me with 3,000 messages a day to buy, spend, join, chase, lust, and leer? <laughs> Pretty hard, but, and you can't completely avoid those messages. I mean, just going down the freeway, you'll see a billboard, and that's a marketing message. You can't avoid it. So what you have to do is this. You have to counter those messages with messages of truth and goodness, and, and uplifting. I call it, you gotta purify the stream that's flowing into our life every single day. Everything matters. Everything tries to influence, influence us to follow, believe, trust, or pursue something. And this steady stream will either push our hearts and our lives one way or push it another way. It looks something like this. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that there are two kinds of people some people are living a life of sin and death. And the result, the things that show up, is sexual immorality, impure thoughts, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, lying, outbursts of anger, drunkenness, wild parties, and then this word strife. It's just, just bad. Okay. That's, that's one way to live life. And lots of people are choosing that. The Bible also says in Galatians 5 that you can, you can actually live a life of life and peace. And I would ask a question, how's the peace factor in your life? And if you're living a, a life of life and peace, these are the qualities that show up. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, happiness, self-control, generosity, relational wholeness, financial wellness, contented living. You can actually have that. But only 
if you purify what's coming into your mind and your heart on a daily basis and the things that constantly come, we have relationships, iPhone, movies, podcasts, billboards, books, websites, the Bible, sometimes music, prayer, Facebook. So glad all of you are here today because that is, you know, what you're doing here is you are, you are purifying the stream of what's coming into your life. And depending on the flow, your life is either going to drift this way or it's going to drift this way. You can't block every message or image coming into your heart. So you got to offset it with a constant flow of scripture, scripture memory, worship, teaching. So if you're a parent here, if your child or teenager is getting 3,000 messages a day, you know, to buy, indulge, spend, consume, acquire, and exploit, then here's my question to you. What daily messages are they getting of Love, joy, peace, kind of self-control, wisdom, truth, to counter all that other stuff. Love this, this next passage, this next verse. Solomon says, look, if, if you turn your ear to wisdom, and if you apply your heart to understanding God's word, if you call out for it, if you look for it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Here's the promise. Here's what's going to happen. Then, then you will understand what's right and good. Every good path will open up to you. I love this next phrase. For wisdom will enter your heart. You know what this means? It means that if you pursue wisdom, if you search for truth with all of your heart, if you wind up in a great church like ours today, or you're watching online, and you do that on a consistent basis, if you do that, wisdom will begin to enter your heart, and you will almost know intuitively what to do, where to go, who to avoid. You will have it almost, it, you just almost automatically know because wisdom is now entering in a part of your life and it will protect you, guard you, and save you from the ways of destruction. You don't get a wise heart by accident. You gotta pursue it. Neither do your kids get wisdom by, you don't get wisdom by vegging out on Facebook for five hours. You don't get wisdom by bar hopping with your friends. You don't get wisdom by lining the soccer fields and ball diamonds every Sunday morning these days while sucking on juice boxes. I just had to bring that up. So two weeks ago, I kind of went on a rant about juice boxes and how, you know, little kids now, after every practice, every practice for soccer, Where's the snacks? I mean, give me a break. Where's the juice? Give them a water hose if they need something. And so I got some feedback. Thank, thank you for that. Appreciate that. But I want to tell you about one guy, real quickly, one guy who's a coach. And he emailed me and said, I got to tell you about this. We, we're, we're a team of seven-year-old seven boys. And he says, our team is stacked. We've won every game. We slaughter guys. We slaughter other teams. But we lost. And so our guys are moping around, and a couple of them were shedding a few tears. But save the day, it's snacks and juice box time. 
but the parent who was supposed to bring it forgot it. So a double whammy. They lost the game and they didn't get any snacks. And now they were in full-blown tears. <laughs> to the coach's credit, he said, hey, I was in church last week. This is character building time. <laughs> you lose a game, no juice box. Give that coach a juice box. That's what I say to that. But back to my original point, do you remember when Sundays, when Sundays were off limits to kids' sports? I think it ought to be a state law. I, I'm so upset with this. Um, I, I love sports. But it was understood, not too long ago, it was understood that families needed time for faith and church. And people respected that. Those days are gone. So you got to fight for it. You got to fight for your kids and your families. You got to speak up if you're in these leagues or if you're a coach or whatever. I mean, is it any wonder why so many kids today are growing up thinking it's all about them? It's all about entertainment and indulgement and never about God. It's never about faith or morality. I'm telling you, I, we're, we're at a point in our society where I'm concerned. And so parents here today, I'm so glad you're here and you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. I want to tell you about one dad who's fighting for his faith and who above everything else guards his heart and he pursues wisdom and he's leading the way with his family and his friends uh, I watched the Stanley Cup playoffs this year because the Boston Bruins and St. Louis Blues were uh, in the playoffs, and one of the captains for the Boston Bruins is David Backus. And in the offseason, David and his family lives here in Minnesota, and they attend our church, he and his wife Kelly and their kids. And Backus is tough. I mean... He'll, he'll stand up to anybody, and it's fun to watch. But behind all this toughness is a man who loves Christ and guards his heart. And that's not easy in the NHL, where hard drinking and available women is the norm. So I got a letter from David last fall, and I just want to read parts of it to you. And just listen to how he intentionally goes about this. He said, Dear Bob, as, as part of the Boston Bruins, we have a chapel that tries to meet weekly, and we have 12 to 13 regular attenders out of, out of a team of 23, which is unheard of in the NHL. The culture in the hockey world is one of drinking and chasing women, but we've started to see a change with guys toward honoring God for the opportunity that we've all been given. He says, but the highlight this year happened when we were playing the Minnesota Wild." And I was wondering what to do with my day off. My list was short. See my family, get to Eagle Brook, and maybe make it to our property in Wisconsin. But then I thought of my teammates who'd be stuck in St. Paul for two days. So I sent out an invitation, and the response was overwhelming. Ten guys wanted to come with me to worship at our church and hear the message. 
So on that Saturday in March, I was in church singing along and hearing a great message with 10 of my teammates who love Jesus and follow him. And here is a shot of that night, Boston Bruins. David says, I sat back for a moment during worship and with a lump in my throat, I felt like I was doing exactly what God wanted me to do. He said, then the song Reckless Love was sent to our chapel a few weeks prior, and what do you know? The band played that very song and knocked it out of the park. After the service, we went back to our house, and my mom made lasagna, my wife made some salads, and we celebrated my father's 65th birthday. In the following days, I heard teammates saying things like this. If I had a church like that, I'd be willing to be traded to Minnesota <laughs> to go to that church. It's unbelievable. I think that trade the whole team, have them come here. <laughs> and he heard teammates saying, so that's what you're watching on the plane. David said, now I catch a few guys watching your services on their own, and it fills my heart to know they have another connection to God's word. So Bob, thank you. As we continue our playoffs, I know that we're being held up by our Heavenly Father who has promised that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, your brother in Christ, David Backus. It's awesome. I love his leadership. I love that he's a faithful husband and a fantastic dad of two kids. Here's their family, Kelly, and they love their dogs too. And speaking of dads, you know, it's Father's Day. And I just want to say, I am so proud of you dads who came to church or you're watching online, you're joining. I'm so proud of you for leading your own life first. Making God and church and faith a priority in your own life. Way to go. Everybody's watching you and your family. So proud of you. So proud that you're leading your spouse if you're married and your kids. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Dad, you are the most important influence in your child's life. Not their coach. Not their teacher's not even their friends. You dads are the most important influence in your child's life. They watch everything you do. Even if they're 20 or 30 years old, they still pay attention to how you are living your life. And I know some of you have lost your marriage. You know, there's forgiveness. And there's second chances. Don't let that define your life. Pick up the ball where you're at. Take a new stand and keep praying for your kids. Keep investing in your kids, whether they're in your home or not. Dads, lead the way. Speak up. And I know it's not easy being a dad. The pressures on your life are immense to go to work and deal with all of that and earn a living and try to come home with some energy and be a spiritual leader. I know it's hard, but you can do it with God's help. I pray for you. One more time, guys. Above everything else, guard your heart.
Your wife is praying that you'll do that if you're still married. Your kids hope that their dad will guard their heart. Your pastor's urging you to do the same so that, so that your life will flourish. Uh, I'm, I'm not very public about these kind of things, but my wife and I celebrated our 40th anniversary just a few days ago. And I got to tell you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being married to Lori and raising our two kids and seeing them get married and four grandkids and a fifth on the way has been my greatest joy. Nothing can touch it. Nothing in all the world is better than that. And so we celebrated and our kids wrote a card, a simple card, and they gave us a, a really nice gift card to Spoon and Stable. They've been to it many times. I don't, I, you know, I go to Culver's, so. <laughs> Mom and Dad, 40 years. Wow, what a milestone. More importantly, thank you. Your marriage is second only to leading us to Christ in line of the greatest gifts we could ever receive from you. We love you deeply. We are eternally grateful for the example you set and the legacy you're making. Looking forward to a few more decades. Love, Megan Nelly, David and Sarah, and then four grandkids, Ibby, Maisie, Hank, and Silas, Sai, who was born two weeks ago. Nothing better. Again, if you lost your marriage, start now. Start building. Whatever you can build and people around you, whatever you can invest in, don't give up. Okay? God still loves you. Choose great paths. This is how you get there. Choose great paths. Control your desires so your desires don't control you. And guard your heart. At all campuses, let's stand for closing prayer and be on our way. God, it feels like we're all swimming upstream in this society, in this culture. Really hard. It's really hard to maintain a pure heart. Uh, this deluge of messaging and marketing and images and visuals. and It's really hard. So God, I pray that you'll give us the wisdom and the courage, every one of us, including me, to pay attention to that and to purify the stream of stuff that comes into our hearts and minds. God bless the dads here today. I just pray that you give them an extra measure of your grace and courage and wisdom today and throughout this next year. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Great to be with all of you. God bless you as you leave this place today.